Welcome to the Build a Life After Loss podcast, uplifting support for your grief and healing journey. We're here to encourage your hope in the future and strengthen your confidence so that you can build a life of purpose and joy. I'm your host, Julie Clough, Certified Grief Coach. Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode 118, Rebuilding After Divorce or Breakup. Divorce, breakups, they're hard. Almost everyone goes through some type of loss of love in their lifetime. And when you do, you're filled with questions. What did I do wrong? What should I have done differently? Why am I not loved? Why was I rejected? In addition to sadness, you feel rejected, abandoned, lonely, lots and lots of emotions. Sometimes you might feel relief. Your default thought is to make the divorce or breakup mean something terrible about yourself. You may think things like, I shouldn't have married that person, or I'm not good enough, or I'm not lovable. None of those things are true, of course, but it's our normal reaction. In today's episode, I share my own experience with divorce and some thoughts about rebuilding. Because if you've been listening to the podcast for any amount of time, or you read my book, then you know that one of my many personal losses is divorce from my first husband. I don't talk about it much here because it's so intertwined with another person and that it's, it's hard to share the story without throwing other people or like feeling like I'm throwing other people under the bus. And, and that's just not the energy that I'm willing to invest in, but I've been feeling for some time that it's a topic I need to address. And of course, I can't do that without sharing my own experience. So let me first share a little bit about my first marriage and divorce and just know that I do it with so much love for my first husband, for our kids and for his family. Despite the things that happened, I do not, I, I really don't harbor any resentment or animosity towards anyone involved. Um, it's been a number of years now. We met and married my first husband and I, his name is Kyle. We met and married when we were, or we met, I should say, we met when we were 10. We started dating in high school and we married in college when we were both 21. He was ambitious and smart and athletic and we and we enjoyed an amazing connection for many years. But in his final semester of college, when I was about three months pregnant with our first daughter, he was in a motorcycle accident. And he wasn't wearing a helmet. This was back in the day and in the area that we were living in. The helmets weren't required. And he wasn't wearing a helmet and he was drive, he was riding his motorcycle around campus. And he went into he he pulled into a, a parking lot and there was some gravel and the the bike just went out from from underneath him and he sustained a head injury. I received a phone call that he was at the health center that was on campus. They called and they said, you know, you need to come pick him up. He's been in an accident. When I got to the hospital, he didn't recognize. Well, he recognized me, but there were so many things that he didn't remember about our life. Like, for example, he didn't even remember that I was pregnant. And, you know, that's kind of a big deal. And we'd known for a little bit at that point. 
um, I picked him up from the hospital and they gave me instructions, you know, shine a flashlight in his eyes every hour on the hour through the night to, to check his pupils and to, um, you know, they just gave me some specific instructions. They sent him home with some medication, but he had so many questions. It was obvious that there was a big chunk of his memory missing. We got out to the car. He didn't recognize our car that we'd been driving. I think at that point for three years, um, he, we got to the apartment. He didn't recognize our apartment. We got into the apartment and there was a picture of my sister and I, and he asked, who is she? Of course, he'd known her at that point for something like 13 years. He obviously sustained a major injury and just going to this little, like, kind of like an instant care, they, and, and the, in those days, this was a, a number of years ago, they didn't have the protocols they have now for head injuries. Uh, there, there wasn't as much intervention. There wasn't as much knowledge about what that does, but over the next three years after this happened, well, and let me back up a little bit. Um, by about two days in, I actually called in, to work and, and didn't go to work the next day because he was on like muscle relaxants and all these things. And, and I thought he, he can't even keep track of his medication. <laughs> so I, I was just worried that he was just going to wander off or, or, you know, take the medication wrong and create all kinds of problems. So I took the day off and I thought he, he was in his last semester of college. I thought he's not even going to graduate. I was trying to find his schedule to call his professors. But within, you know, by the end of that week, he was doing well and everything seemed to go back to normal. But over the next three years, things started to spiral out of control. And his impulse control became uh, impaired. Uh, he, He made decisions that he would have never made before this happened. And there were some kind of crazy things that happened. He, he, he got involved in some things he shouldn't have gotten involved in. Uh, he got involved in, um, just, yeah, it was just all kinds of things happened. And, and, and rather than go through the laundry list of everything that happened, because I don't think that's useful, but ultimately, and I, and I, we went to, marriage counseling at one point, I, I, I really did that in the effort to try to get him some individualized care because he was really not doing well, making all kinds of decisions that were destructive to him, destructive to our family, destructive to our marriage. Um, his anger had gotten out of control. He never hurt me, but you know, there, there was definitely some anger issues going on. And I, you know, we went to marriage counseling and I, I remember, I remember the one day when he didn't show up and the counselor saying, you know, you're patching air. He's like, you know, if you have a tire and there's a, if there's a hole in it, you can patch the hole and you can refill it with air and you can go on your, on your way. But he's like, he's spiraling it he's spiraling down. He's, he's spiraled so far down at this point that, that you're patching air. It takes two people. It takes a tire, you know, to patch and, and there's nothing to patch here unless he's willing to do the work. There's nothing to patch. And so, um, ultimately 
I, as hard as it was, I invited him to, to move out and he did. And at that point, his family got involved and they got him some specialized care, but he opted out of that as well. I, in those years, so it was about six years between when this accident happened and when we actually separated and divorced. In those years, I had mentioned to a couple of people, including a close friend who was a therapist who was helping us to find good care, that I felt like the head injury had something to do with it. And I really didn't get, people really didn't pay attention to my thought on that. You know, like I said, it wasn't really well known at the time. And throughout his life, he he had a lot of difficulty even after we divorced. Um, I, you know, I think he, he led a a relatively good life, but again, impulse control and doing things that weren't helpful to him, weren't helpful to his family, um, made it difficult. And he did pass away in 2013. But over that time that we were married, there was a lot of things that happened. So when, when a divorce happens, there's a lot of history. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of things that are said. There's a lot of things that are done that we regret that we wish we hadn't said or done or that we wish the other person hadn't said or done. There's a lot of injury that takes place before a divorce or a breakup. And we can tie our worth, our self-worth into those words or those actions that either we took or that the other person took against us. And we, we create meaning around it. We make it mean we aren't worthy of love or whatever else we've attached to that, to that relationship. There's, there's a lot to unpack and to undo. And, and the most damaging is this idea that, you know, maybe I'm not lovable. Maybe I'm not good enough. Um, maybe it's all the regrets. Maybe I should have never, never dated that person, or I should have never married that person. And those thoughts aren't helpful, but they're natural. And so we have to, we have to, we have to unpack that. We have to undo that. We have to create a, um, affirmative, recreate an affirmative mind. We have to recreate the idea in our mind that, that we are lovable, that we are capable of, of loving and being loved, that we are good enough. Everyone is good enough. We all are. And so it's, it's, it becomes necessary for us to reframe the experience, their behavior. So for example, with, with my first husband, his be, I had to, I had to undo the idea that somehow I created his behavior. The, uh, another person's behavior is not tied to us. Yes, they can react to us, but they're responsible for their behavior. They're responsible. Every person, you know, I'm responsible for my own thoughts, feelings, and actions. And the other person is responsible for their own thoughts, feelings, and actions. And so we have to, we have to give back to them their responsibility and we have to own our responsibility. In, in doing that, we separate, what am I responsible for? So the most, you know, most egregious of actions that he took, 
I can take responsibility for that because he was responsible. In other words, my understanding, luckily for me, it was a blessing to have this understanding early on was that regardless of what I did, he was responsible for his response. The, the things that, that happened that really ended the marriage, you know, he was responsible for his reactions and, and, um, actions. And I was responsible for my reactions and actions. So I give back to him or, you know, we give back to the other person, their responsibility for their actions, their thoughts and their feelings. And we own our own actions, thoughts, and feelings. By doing that, we can look at it. Like I I would look at it and I would say, okay, what am I responsible for here? What are some of my regrets? And it was helpful for me to, to look at, you know, what are my regrets in this, in this relationship? And it doesn't, again, my regrets doesn't mean that I am responsible for everything that happened, but I'm responsible for this piece. And so I want to look at it and see what I could do differently or better or what I would want that to look differently, how I would want that to look differently in the future. When we do that, when we own our own responsibility for things, we create an opportunity for change in ourselves, so that we don't take the same issues into the next relationship because we're going to have another relationship. We, we, our life is full of relationships. So taking responsibility for ourselves, for our thoughts and our actions can help us to, um, to, to increase, to, to go into the next relationship with more understanding, more love, more more understanding of ourselves, more compassion for ourselves, more compassion for the other person. There's so many emotions involved. You know, I mentioned that earlier. So many emotions involved in divorce or breakup, rejection, abandonment, the guilt, the resentment, the shame, the regret. All of those emotions need to be dealt with and resolved so that we can move forward with love and compassion. The best way to get started in that process is journaling to start releasing these emotions. It's a layering process. It's not like, oh, let's sit down for five minutes and let's just get rid of rejection. It's not that at all. It's it's undoing the many, many layers of the many, many experiences that we have in a relationship. When, when you sit down to journal, be sure to set an intention that you're journaling that when you're journaling, you are releasing the emotions that bind you. So little by little, you're releasing those emotions that bind you. Divorce, breakup are not easy. They are loss events. They create feelings of, of grief. And just like with any other loss or grief experience, it's necessary for us to work through the process, the, the stages of healing so that we can come out on the other side and rebuild, which means that we enjoy improved relationships. We enjoy improved um, feelings about ourselves. We can, we can um, 
then be in a better place to, if we have, you know, if we have a breakup or a, a divorce that includes children, for example, you may have ongoing experiences with that former person, you know, that person that you had this relationship with. And, and so it's a, a, the divorce and breakup is a detachment process that, that may still include a piece of attachment. <laughs> and, and so doubly important. I mean, it's just important on every level to go through that process of understanding the detachment and to um, create a new role in that relationship and to create, uh, to reframe the experience so that, so that you can feel whole and happy again, because challenges are everywhere. We all have good days and bad days. Grief adds to the stress of everyday life. It is grief is such a large stressor that it overtakes our ability to handle stress day to day. And it's one of the reasons why it feels so difficult. And it's one of the reasons why I really want to undo this idea that we can't overcome our grief. There's a prevalent thought in the world that grief, that we will always grieve. And I don't believe that. I believe that we experience loss and we experience the pain of loss and that the pain is something that we can work through. The experience will always be there. The loss will always be a part of our experience, but we can, we can work through the, the pain of the experience so that we can let go of the pain and hold on to the lessons learned. If you've been putting off scheduling your free discovery call, because this is what I do, this is what I do is I help people to understand the process. My program is educational. It gives you steps. It helps you to start to reframe and to resolve. So if you've been putting off scheduling your free discovery call for, for whatever reason, you know, you're too busy, you're not sure if you're ready all the things, <laughs> then now is the time to schedule. Do it for yourself. Do it for your family. Do it for your future relationships. Your life is going to be compromised. And I don't say that lightly. Our life is compromised by grief when we think we have to stay in it. And when we get stuck in it, our, our life is compromised by grief. I almost completely destroyed myself with the pain of grief. I know what that feels like. It's terrible. But I now see that there are ways to move through it. I've, I've worked through my own grief and then I've discovered and studied and learned about grief in a way that that helps me to teach others and to coach others from a from a point of experience and love and compassion for you and not wanting to see you live with your grief so if you haven't done it yet now is the time 
this is the time. If you haven't done it yet, then schedule your free discovery call today. It's so easy. Just go to buildalifeafterloss.com backslash talk. That's T-A-L-K, talk. Remember, I believe in you. Love you. Bye.